You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin. He's a writer for SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. The Packers beat the Lions in a 38-20, I'm sorry, 30-28 smackdown on Sunday Night Football. One of the better games uh, in in my recollection. I think I would put this probably in the top three or four best games of the Matt LaFleur era. Uh, as far as our score predictions, we did better uh, than we have done in recent weeks. Gil, you said Niners thirty four to thirty one. That was that was pretty good for you. And uh, we don't need to go over my my prediction. We'll just assume <laughs> that it was close. No, I oh, said Niners twenty four to ten. So. Um, obviously this is one of those times when we are really excited that we were wrong. <laughs> yes. Very happy to be wrong. And I think we said that last week and, uh, yeah, uh, I, I am more than happy to be wrong on those rare occasions when I pick against the Packers. What were you feeling at the end of that Niners game? Because we just had to take a minute and just savor this win because it really is a special, I mean, look, we're here to break down the Steelers and we'll do that. But Packers football is about special games like this. And we can't just gloss over that. Walk me through what you were feeling at the end of the game. Wow. I mean, it was, uh, first of all, I think if you would have taken my pulse in the final 30 seconds of that game, they may have called an ambulance, but, uh, yeah, it was intense. And, you know, you knew the game wasn't over, that 37 seconds was a lot of time for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams to work a little magic. But, it, you know, it had to be very efficient. And I'll tell you, I, when, when the field goal was kicked, I thought it was almost going to be blocked, and it wasn't. And when it went through, it was like, wow, you know, just an exciting game, an unbelievable feeling. And the Packers really needed that win. I think winning that game made a huge difference in the trajectory of this season. I agree. Outside of the uh, 2019 Lions games, which, by the way, were not good games, you know, and, and Rodgers looked, I, I would say, relatively bad in both of those games uh, until the very end. But outside of those two games, I think in the last uh, two years, you know, in the LaFleur era, this is the only uh, come from behind last second win Aaron Rodgers heroics game that we've seen. Um, there have been a couple opportunities for it to happen. You think the uh, Colts game last year, you think the Vikings game last year that we lost uh, where there was all that wind. There have been opportunities for it to happen and it hasn't happened and that's something that that I spend kind of a, a decent amount of energy thinking about in moments like that during games. But when there was 37 seconds left on the clock and the Packers were going back out there, 
I just kept thinking to myself, this is a new year and this is a bit of a different Packers team. I think they're going to get it done. I really had a lot of confidence and, you know, they had that one incomplete pass and it didn't shake my confidence. I still felt like, no, they're going to get it done. And it was just magical. I will say I'm finally over the fail Mary game because I think (laughs) this game was, was officiated even worse than the fail Mary game was, which by the way, that game was a absolute um, disaster show all the way through from the referees uh, long before the really infamous play. But I think this game was, was worse officiating not going to sit around and whine about it, but look, let's look at our, our score predictions. You, you and I came up with a, a thing we want to do before the show today. We went back and looked at our score predictions through the first three weeks of the season. And we want to keep track of at the end of the year, who is the closest overall. So we count up how many uh, points did we each say the offense and defense were going to have and um, or I should say the two opposing offenses and then what was the actual score measure the difference. So, you know, Lions game, we were we were pretty close. Uh, Niners, we were still you were really close. I wasn't close so much. And then we added in. <laughs> how wrong we were on that Saints game and it doubled how how many points we had in the other two games. So, you it's like uh, it's like golf, lowest score wins. You are currently leading with 59 points and I have a whopping 83 points that I've been wrong by so far. So, I have to clean up my game, get better at that. Via PFF, where do you think the Steelers and Packers offenses rank? This is by yards, efficiency. What what are we measuring here? This is just the PFF grades. PFF has their ranking 1 through 32. Okay. I'm going to say the Packers are 12th and the Steelers are 27th. Steelers are actually 32nd. Last. <laughs> wow. And the Packers are actually 4th, which includes that Saints game. As surprising as those results are, what do you think? they are doing on defense because you know the Steelers have a phenomenal defense they have a good defense they do uh I would say the Steelers right now are 20th and the Packers are probably around 18th so you think the Packers have the better defense statistically as of now through three games yes all right the Steelers are ranked fourth the Packers sixth wow i was surprised by the rankings on both offense and defense. The Packers are favored by seven points currently for this game. I have to share that I have been following the Steelers pretty closely for a number of years. Uh, One of my really close friends is a diehard Steelers fan. He's really a a diehard Ben Roethlisberger fan. Uh, He's actually related to Ben. I've seen a lot of Steelers games. The Steelers, I, I just have to tell you, for anybody who doesn't really follow the Steelers closely... And they just know, okay, yeah, the Steelers are missing a lot of players. They looked terrible against Cincinnati last week. I got to tell you something about the Steelers, and that is, this has been true for years, they play down to the competition. So they Mm -hmm. look really good when they play good teams. They look really bad when they play bad teams. I fully expect the Steelers we see this week 
to play much better football than they did last week. And that is because they just play down to the competition. They overlook weak opponents and focus on the upcoming tougher opponents. They underestimate teams like the Bengals or the Jaguars or whoever. And they spend a lot of time preparing for teams like the Packers. So, yeah. You, you can't afford to look past your divisional rivals. That's uh, that, that's a no-no in the NFL. Well, let's let's take a look at uh, who we have on offense for the Steelers. We'll get into the the injuries uh, a little bit later, but looking at offense because that's the that's the really big question for the Steelers. Uh, they have a horrible offense, and. It all starts with the offensive line and Roethlisberger, who is currently the 32nd best graded quarterback in the league out of 36 quarterbacks who have started so far. Uh, Najee Harris, their their new running back that they're really excited about, he has not been playing very well, but he's a big threat in the receiving game. He was targeted 19 times last week. I think he's been targeted 27 times total this season. So be on the lookout for that. The the thing that the the Steelers are kind of known for is having crazy good wide receivers. And I I don't agree with that assessment. Uh, PFF (laughs) doesn't really like their receivers very much. And I will just tell you from watching a lot of Steelers football, these receivers are decent runners and terrible uh catchers of the football <laughs> a lot of drops no love for chase claypool huh? uh or eric ebron i think i think nfc north um fans in general all remember ebron uh quite fondly for uh his his butterfinger catches when he was a lion <laughs> juju yeah. smith schuster has a great reputation uh he has not been playing that well lately. these last two years uh, the the guy that you do have to worry about is Deontay Johnson. He, he's by far their best receiver, but he's been missing some time. We're going to go over the injury report a little bit later and make a determination of whether we think these guys are going to play or not. The, the thing with Claypool to keep in mind is just that size mismatch. He's huge. And for that reason, I think if Kevin King can play, I think Kevin's probably the guy you want on Claypool because Kevin's a huge cornerback and you need somebody really physical to be going up against Claypool. I know there's not a lot of love for Kevin King right now, but that's the guy I would be uh, trying to cover Claypool with. Yeah, the size does uh, has to be taken into account. The, The problem you have, obviously, with Kevin King is his propensity for getting beat deep. Uh, But you know, right now the Steelers have been struggling to throw deep and that may help the Packers a little bit in that respect. Uh, I don't know if Roethlisberger has the arm strength and the time to throw recently uh, in order to get the ball downfield. And that's going to be a challenge for Pittsburgh and the Packers defense, I think, has to make adjustments accordingly. Roethlisberger is only completing 28% of his deep passes. And Part of that does factor in all the drops that you're seeing from his receivers. But over the last two years, his deep ball has been almost non-existent. So uh, they're getting a lot of yards after the catch. That's the thing with the Steelers. Uh, But they are throwing a lot of short routes. Um, 
all of Roethlisberger's touchdowns this year so far have come on short passes. The the Steelers offense works best when the Steelers defense is giving them short fields to work with, which they do frequently giving them the opportunity to start out the, the drive inside enemy territory. That's when you see the Steelers offense actually able to do some damage. Well, here's the the two statistics that jumped out at me when I was previewing the Steelers. First of all, Ben Roethlisberger so far through three games, 6.2 yards per attempt, which is very, very low, especially when you consider that he's completing nearly 64% of his passes. So, you know, you want that number over seven and closer to eight most of the time. So obviously the short passing game has been the focus. And then the other thing is this, uh, the Steelers rank dead last in the NFL in yards rushing per game. And Najee Harris, who I like uh, on paper, averaging a mere 3.1 yards per rush through three games. And that's in 40 rushes and no other Steelers running back has more than two rushing attempts through three games. Yeah, that's crazy. One of the things that helps the Steelers offense again is their defense. The defense has a tendency to generate a lot of turnovers and even a decent number of points, which is great because the Steelers offense has a really hard time putting up points. You look at the, their scores the last three weeks, which does include a pick six, 23 against the bills, 17 against the Raiders, 10 against the Bengals. If the Steelers offense, I'm sorry, if the Steelers defense allows more than 17 points, uh, or I should say actually more than 16 points, the Steelers offense just has not been able to keep up with that, which is good news for a high-flying Packers offense. Absolutely. And, you know, the other statistic that jumped out at me, and, you know, we're going to talk about injuries, but Ben Roethlisberger... Through three games, he's thrown 130 passes, already been sacked eight times in three games. That number is not sustainable, and I don't see how Roethlisberger will stay healthy if he's taking that kind of punishment over a 17-game season. Speaking of sacks, the Steelers finally, last week when they were missing T.J. Watt, broke their streak that has lasted for five years over... It's a 75-game streak of recording at least one sack. This past Sunday against the Bengals, they recorded zero sacks, broke that streak, which is the longest in, I believe, in NFL history. Crazy. And uh, even though I'm not a Steelers fan, uh, a little bit disappointing to see that streak get broken. Also would have been kind of nice to have that streak break this week instead of last week. It would have been nice to break that streak against the Packers. But, oh, well, I digress. Hey, as long as the Packers win, I, I'm not going to worry about the Steelers streak. But it is impressive. I give them credit. And uh, all good things must end. And and look, the Packers offensive line, again, because of injuries, even after last week, it remains, in my mind, a bit of a question mark. And yeah, the Packers, they did a good job against San Francisco. But a lot of that had to do with uh, play calling and coaching and scheming. And they have to continue to do that this week based on the situation with their offensive line. 
All right, let's keep it on the offense for a minute here and look at, uh, or I should say on the Steelers offense for a minute here and look at their offensive line because it's been quite bad. And the, the biggest disappointment with their offensive line has been right guard Trey Turner. Why? Because he's the only guy that you actually had any expectations for at all, and he's been horrible. And he's also been their best offensive lineman. This is a... Uh, a pretty putrid group by far the best offensive lineman um, that they have in terms of where they rank in the league would be their center green because he ranks as the 23rd best center in the league out of 33 centers who have started a game. Yeah. The offensive line has not been pretty. And you talk about, you know, both the number of sacks and the lack of rushing yards, you know, the, the common denominator in both of those issues is the offensive line. Uh, here's a familiar face on that offensive line. Rashad Coward. You might remember him from all the times that uh, we picked on him when he was a bear. Uh, he <laughs> has played a decent number of snaps for them already this year. Uh, sounds like the Steelers are getting a little bit healthier. You expect that he might not be out there this week. In fact, the guy who's been playing at left tackle, uh, Dan Moore, might be playing right tackle this week if, where is he? Uh, looking at the... Joe Haig, I think, is the guy who's supposed to be coming back from injury this week. Haig, Haig, Haig. I think it's Joe Haig who's supposed to be coming back and might be playing at left tackle. I do know that they are excited about um, hopefully getting uh, Dan Moore kicked over to right tackle instead. And I also know that um, they've had to get their tight ends involved a lot, as the Packers have, in trying to keep Roethlisberger clean, which, again, limits your ability to pass the ball uh, with any kind of efficiency. Yeah, and to pass the ball down the field. So it's uh, it's a real problem for Pittsburgh. And the one thing that's been encouraging to me, you know, after the Saints game, which was a disaster for the Packers defense, uh, from the second half of the Lions game through the 49ers game, they've been getting a lot better pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And I have to give credit to Preston Smith and to Rashawn Gary And uh, if they can continue to get pressure on Ben Roethlisberger, and you know what? I also have to give some credit to Kenny Clark, who had a monster game uh, against San Francisco last week. If the Packers can continue to get some pressure on Ben Roethlisberger and mix up their blitzes the way they were doing against San Francisco, uh, I don't see the Steelers putting a lot of points on the board. No, and... Here's here's something else that is kind of hurting the Steelers is they have so uh, Matt Canada is calling the plays for him over there and it doesn't seem like he and Mike Tomlin are quite on the same page about what kind of offense they want to run and part of that has to do with Ben Roethlisberger's uh, aversion to taking snaps directly under center to play action. Um, running Najee Harris under center. Those are things that Matt Canada would like to do. Those are things that help a struggling offensive line. You saw the uh, the Bears last year toward the end of the year, starting in week, um, well, let's see, week 11, I think was their bye week. So starting in week 12 throughout the rest of the season, 
uh, they did make that adjustment. They had uh, their quarterback taking snaps directly under center. They were running under center. And they started putting up about 10 points more per game average um, uh, down the stretch of the season last year. Ben Roethlisberger really doesn't like doing that. And so that is an issue because when they do, <laughs> it works. When they run Najee Harris on our center, it's very uh, successful. When they work in the play action game, very successful. Ben hates doing that. I think uh, Mike Tomlin is sensitive to that and doesn't really want to go in that direction either. And if they choose to go ahead and follow Matt Canada's uh, vision for the offense, which they might after only putting up 10 points last week and realizing this is a really tough opponent coming in uh, at Lambeau, that could prove um, to cause some problems. Although I will also point out that the two weeks toward the end of the season last year where the Bears offense was not scoring a ton of points like they did everybody else were the two times that they played the Packers. Yeah, nice memories. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's flip over to the competent side of the ball for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that obviously would be the defense. And the name of the game here is the pass rush. Their front seven are pretty good. Their front four are pretty phenomenal. And obviously, a lot of that starts with TJ Watt. Uh, but the there are two other guys who are super important as well in Cam Hayward and Melvin Ingram. And also, Isaiah Bugs uh, playing yep. pretty good football as well. He's actually grading out higher than Ingram is, although he's the nose tackle. And so a lot of that has to do with his run defense. His pass rush isn't really there. It's about average run defense grade. Very, very good. By the way, TJ Watt and Cam Hayward both rank number one in the NFL with elite grades of over 90 apiece uh, at their respective positions of defensive end and outside linebacker. Not something you like to see if you are a patchwork Packers offensive line missing David Bakhtiari and possibly Elton Jenkins as well. Yeah, that's going to be, again, a tough matchup. And and the key in my mind is, you know, Matt LaFleur did a very good job of game planning for the 49ers. And he helped uh, Yash Nyman uh, with tight ends, running backs, and even Alan Lazard chipping sometimes uh, to, to help protect Aaron Rodgers and helping you know, secure the left side, but you look across the line. Yash has one career NFL start. It was last week. Uh, Runyon ha now has two NFL career starts. And then you have the two rookies in Myers uh, and Newman. They have three career NFL starts. The only player on the Packers offensive line who remains from last year, as far as the starters go, is Billy Turner. And that's it. So uh, if the Steelers defensive front seven is healthy and they haven't necessarily been all year, uh, that could be a big matchup advantage there for Pittsburgh. Very much so. Um, I was really encouraged by the way they played the Niners last week because the Niners uh, front seven are not banged up. 
You had a fully healthy Nick Bosa, fully healthy Eric Armstead. You had D Ford right up until right up until the uh, game winning drive by Aaron Rodgers when I, I, I posted a, a short slow mo video of the pass rush there. You had uh, Samson Abuko uh, or Abuka, Ebukum. I don't know how you say his last name. Uh, was was the fourth member of that pass rush there. And uh, D Ford kind of just took the snap off. <laughs> he was yeah. just kind of standing there by himself, leaving Eric Armstead to get triple teamed. But hey, the rest of the day, um, it was a, a very formidable front four he had going there. And I thought they did really well. Now, Yash certainly wasn't perfect. I thought I, I don't have any complaints, but I also don't want him to be the starter. Uh, but Robert Tunyon, man, he was in there. He pancaked Bosa numerous times, numerous times. And you could, it was beautiful. That was it, beautiful. It was. And you could even see on uh, Rogers first snap on the game winning drive. You could see Bosa comes screaming in there and Tunyon is right in his way. And Bosa kind of just stops and hesitates for a second. And then Tunyon takes off because he's not actually blocking. He's right. actually uh, squirts out and runs around there. And then Bosa comes forward and Yash handles him and it's okay. Buys Rogers just enough time. So look, that's, that's schematics. That's um, uh, impressive work by uh, the tight ends coach and the offensive line coaches. I like what we saw from them last week. Uh, Hopefully having that tape on what they did uh, does not, mean that the Steelers are going to have a better game plan probably does but hopefully it doesn't Um, well you got to counter you know you have to anticipate that that's going to be the case and you have to prepare and counter whatever they're going to do to to defeat your success from last week you have to counter and and counter move and set up something that'll work in spite of it so yeah I mean welcome to the chess match that is coaching in the NFL Rogers got the ball out pretty quick last week. Um, here's here's the real bright spot for the Packers offense is that if you can beat the pass rush and their run defense, that front line is kind of the only great thing about the Steelers defense. Minka Fitzpatrick, yeah, not he's playing great well. About well, well he's, he... not, he's not playing well this year at all. He's this is by far his worst, uh, yep. the worst year of his career. He has a twenty eight. overall grade, uh, which includes a 27.9 coverage grade that ranks. uh, He's dead last out of starting safeties this year, both in total defense and coverage for all safeties. But you can't assume that he's going to continue to be that bad. And this is kind of a theme that you're seeing from um, all of the Steelers players is and and I would lay this on the coaching and on injuries around their star players. But what you see across the whole team is talented players underperforming uh, significantly. And Minka is by far the biggest example of that. And if he starts playing better, that's bad news. Yep. No question. Look, you you, got to figure at the, by the end of the season, these guys will be playing closer to the numbers that are on the back of their football cards, so to speak. (laughs) And uh, you know, yeah, the Steelers in at some positions like Roethlisberger is never going to be Big Ben that we saw in his prime when he was winning and going to Super Bowls. But, you know, you still don't expect him to play as poorly as he has so far this year. Uh, 
yeah, it, it's it's a question of when they wake up. And you got to hope if you're a Packers fan that it's not this Sunday afternoon at Lambeau Field. Terrell Edmonds, uh, their strong safety, is playing uh, decently well. PFF doesn't really like him, but the coaches do. And the Packers coaches um, highlighted him as well. Um, he's he's playing uh, pretty decent football uh, at corner. Cam Sutton and Joe Hayden are the two guys to keep your eye on, especially Joe Hayden. But uh, James Pierre is their third cornerback, and he has been uh, quite, quite poor this year. This is a defense that is very susceptible to big plays. I think you're going to see at least two or three deep shots down the field. Um, I think you're, you're certainly going to see MVS targeted deep. You're probably also going to see Devontae targeted deep. They're going to keep Hayden on Devontae probably a lot of the day. They're probably going to double Devontae, especially after what they saw last week where Devontae got targeted on more than half of all uh, plays last week. But uh, the I think this I think the Packers have more competent receivers than the Steelers have defensive backs. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, the timing on some of these things, not great in that MVS is nursing a hamstring injury, did not practice Wednesday. We still don't know how much that'll affect his ability to get deep. Wouldn't surprise me if they again uh, activate EQ from the practice squad in order to fill in if MVS is not 100% or able to go. Last group we got to talk about is the linebackers. And you're really talking about Joe Schobert and Devin Bush. And here's the thing with uh, Devin Bush, because Joe Schobert has been kind of a disappointment uh, since uh, since the Steelers tried to acquire or since the Steelers acquired him. He has not been playing very well. Devin Bush um, has also not been playing well, but he has kind of started out this way the last three seasons. He's only been able to play one full season. That was 2019. And you saw crazy elite physicality and speed. And you you have not seen that at the beginning of all three of his years in the league. Now, last year was cut really short by an injury, but um, right around like week four, week three, week four, week five, that's when you see Devin Bush really start to open up and find himself and start playing really good football. If Devin Bush is playing really well this week, I'm not really chalking that up to deficiency from the Packers as much as, well, this is kind of something that Steelers fans are expecting from Bush around this time of year because you've seen it twice so far already. And he had a really good pedigree coming out of college, very highly athletic. Obviously, he was a top 10 first round pick. The guy has the tools. You just hope that he waits at least one more week before finding his groove again. Yeah, uh, and you know it's coming. You, you know, he's a talented football player, not going to play at a low level like he has been all year. So, you know, he's going to have that breakout game. And, you know, to me, you still have to prepare for him like he is going to play at a high level. I guess one last thing I want to highlight before we turn to the injuries. I, I think I need to talk a little bit more about Cam Hayward and Melvin Ingram. Cam Hayward has a 91 overall 
sorry, he has a 93.2 overall grade, but he has a 91 run defense and a 91 pass defense or pass rush. Uh, and Melvin Ingram has an 86.8 pass rush. Running the ball is very, very difficult against the Steelers. And running up the middle is particularly hard. So if the Packers are going to have any success running the ball, you can't run toward TJ Watt if he's out there because he's a very good run defender. Uh, you can't run toward Cam Hayward. You got to try and run outside of Melvin Ingram, who is still a decent run defender. He is just uh, a bit above average, 66. You consider 60 to be average, so 66. But that's kind of the only weakness at all in terms of run defense. That outside zone scheme that Aaron Jones uh, really thrives in is probably the exact right type of um, running style that you need to have any success moving the ball on the ground against this defense. And I think you're going to see a lot of passing this week. Yeah, I agree with that. And it just, uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a, a question of, of efficiency and how they get the job done. So Steelers injuries, Juju Smith Schuster uh, upgraded from uh, he did not practice on Wednesday. He was limited on Thursday. Sounds like he's going to play. Uh, here, here's the the really bad news for the Packers. Alex Highsmith. He has been limited in practice this week. That's a guy we actually didn't even talk about yet on defense. Uh, another linebacker who is freakishly good. You get Alex Highsmith, Melvin Ingram, and uh, TJ Watt. They really do a good job of uh, sealing off the edge. Uh, it's not something you want to see, uh, especially since Cam Hayward um, pretty much by himself is stuffing the whole middle um, of the field. And uh, Alex Highsmith, again, trending toward playing. That is a possibly a game changer for the Steelers. And then the big one, TJ Watt, limited in practice on Wednesday. You guessed it, full participant on Thursday. We're going to see TJ at Lambeau Field more than likely. And, you know, here's here's the good news. It's an early game on the Packers schedule, which means a loss is maybe not the the calamity that it could be later in the year. I like to see the Packers get stiff competition early turns them into a hardened team that is ready for a grueling playoff battle. Yeah, you always like to see that, and then you, your team can adjust and figure out what they need to do in order to be successful uh, late in the season when, when you really need it. But, you know, look, this is a game against an AFC team. If you can afford to lose games, you'd rather yeah. lose them to AFC teams. For sure. Uh, the other guy who has not practiced at all this week would be right tackle. Um, I, I apologize because I'm going to mangle his first name. Chuck Wuma Okafor. <laughs> not, not bad. Not bad at all. How would you say his first name? I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, he has not practiced uh, at all this week, trending toward not playing. He's in concussion protocol. So again, you know, we said that, the, the Steelers are hoping to move Dan Moore over to right tackle. It's a good time for it since Okafor uh, probably is not going to be available. 
Um, that's kind of it for the Steelers. For the Packers, your biggest concern, obviously, is Elton Jenkins has not practiced at all this week, still dealing with that ankle injury. My gut is he doesn't play this week. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it is very possible he doesn't play. And uh, look, I, I think that the one thing that has to happen is that the coaching staff and the offensive players cannot get a false sense of security because they did as well as they did a week ago. They've got a scheme. They've got a chip. They've got to help Yash as much as they can. And you know, can't take it for granted that just because they got the job done last week against San Francisco, that it's automatically going to happen again this week against Pittsburgh. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, Chris Barnes, who, by the way, has been playing fantastic football so far, especially against the Niners game before he uh, got his concussion, did not practice Wednesday, was limited Thursday. That's an encouraging sign. Keep your eye on that. If you have Chris Barnes and Devondre Campbell out there, that's your best two linebackers for sure. Aaron Jones limited all week with an ankle injury. Uh, I think he'll play, but that is um, something else to be concerned about both in the run game because they have hardly used A.J. Dillon at all. And in the passing game, this is a Steelers defense that is very susceptible to the passing attack. Having Aaron Jones out there uh, just, just provides one more little wrinkle that you could exploit especially since Jones has not really been used much in the passing game so far and even though we know that that is a lethal threat Steelers might not be prepared for it well he was used a lot against Detroit he he you know scored three receiving touchdowns in that game we didn't see him in the passing game as much last week but if you can give him three to five good passes where he can gain some yards after the catch I think that you know, you keep him honest. And I'll say this. If Aaron Jones is limited, A.J. Dillon is a better receiver than most people give him credit for. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him come up with one or two big plays in the receiving game if he sees the field a lot. I agree with everything you say, except I would point out that two of Aaron Jones's quote, receiving touchdowns were uh, jet sweeps. If you want to count those as uh, receiving touchdowns like the NFL does, you can. Um, I don't know that that qualifies in my book, but everything else you said is absolutely correct. And I uh, I would be interested to see, you know, Aaron Jones had a very, very, very slow start to the year, and he's been running better and better as the year progresses. You know, A.J. Dillon has not looked good so far as a runner, and I'd like to see him get some more carries to get him warmed up and get that that uh, freight train rolling a bit. And the other thing that we should point out about the Packers run game is they have uh, they have not had any runs yet go for uh, like 11 or 12 yards. Even I think I think their longest uh, run this whole year has been 10 yards. And. Um, I certainly would blame the offensive line a, a good bit for that because, you know, they're kind of a patchwork offensive line right now and they're not run back blocking their best, but it is something that Matt LaFleur is focusing on, uh, something that he was talking about, you know, in his preparation for a very good run defense they're about to face and saying, you know, 
we have been uh, able to stick with the run game and stay committed to it for the most part um, in these last two weeks, but we're not getting the production that we'd like to. And in past years, they've been able to generate chunk, you know, big chunk plays uh, from their run game. And so far, all of their big chunk plays have come through the receiving game so far and mostly through Devontae Adams. Yeah, and Aaron Jones, the long run for the Packers this season, Aaron Jones, 12 yards. Just really, really impressive by, uh, I'm trying to think of a team's that I could insult standards, uh, Jaguar standards. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. All right. Uh, Give me your key matchup to focus on this week that we haven't really highlighted yet. Wow. Matchup that we haven't highlighted yet. Uh, I know it's tough because we've done a lot of highlights we, yeah, because, we because we're so good at this podcast. We though. are thorough. We we are <laughs> indeed thorough. Um, the matchup that I'm going to look at in this game that I think is going to be very important is going to be Kenny Clark on the nose against the center of the Pittsburgh Steelers, J.C. Hassenauer. That is a phenomenal point to bring up because Kenny Clark has been generating a ton of pressure on quarterbacks so far this season. He's kind of the only bright spot on the defensive line right now for the Packers. Uh, You look at uh, Kingsley Kiki and Dean Lowry both playing quite poorly. So it's it's Kenny Clark and the Smith brothers or not the Smith brothers, Preston Smith and Gary, Rashawn Gary. I'm used to saying the Smith brothers because it usually is the Smith brothers out there. Right, right. Yeah, I, and, you know, Tyler Lancaster had one of his better games in a long time, and now he's on the COVID list. He's not available. So uh, bad timing on that. And and But I think that gives Mr. Heflin an opportunity to do a little bit more. Heflin or uh, or TJ Slayton, I, I think I think Heflin has not played any snaps yet this year. TJ has on, gotten a not few. on defense, no, only on special teams so far. Right. Uh, my matchup to keep an eye on is actually going to be uh, Tunyon versus. I'm curious to see who they'll put on him because uh, against the Raiders they put Minka on Darren Waller for a lot of the day, which is a matchup that makes a lot of sense, and I think partly contributed to why uh, Minka's grades are so poor this year so far. Um, But the other guy that they might be trying to cover Tunyon with is Devin Bush. That would make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Bush has a pretty decent uh, coverage grade. It is by far his strength right now. He's got a 66 coverage grade. Everything else is at least 10 points worse than that. And again, Bush is a guy highly athletic, I think uh, it's underlooked how fast Tunyon is. He's an incredibly fast tight end. It makes sense to put a safety on him, but if if Devin Bush is playing well enough and you feel like you can put Bush on Tunyon, that's also um, a pretty good matchup because Bush is so athletic. Could possibly hinder Tunyon, but again, Bush is still trying to warm up so far this year. Tunyon could be targeted a decent amount this week. And we haven't seen it. And one, one quick observation here. Last week, the Packers, you know, you know, Devontae Adams had a monster game and, and there was a reason that they kept going to him. But 
overall, the secondary receivers just did not get involved. Right. And there were 31 targets that Rodgers had in that game. He spiked the ball twice. 18 of the 31 were targeting Devontae Adams. You mm-hmm. can't be that locked in on Adams this week. You got to get Tunyon more involved. You got to get Aaron Jones if he's out there more involved. And you got to get Alan Lazard, MVS, and, and Randall Cobb more involved because you can't be one-dimensional. Well, I, I agree uh, because of who we're facing. And I agree, like, long-term. I don't have any problem with them targeting Devontae so much last week because it was working. The times when it bothers me that they are staring down Devontae and force-feeding the ball to him is when it's not working and you Mm -hmm. have other tools that you're not using. But, look, we had complaints for years and years about the Mike McCarthy Packers in that they would do something that worked and then they would just go away from it just in the name mm-hmm. of being multidimensional. And you're saying, Oh, but come on, it worked. Why are you, why are you getting away from it? So credit to Matt LaFleur. He has, um, I would say <laughs> intermittently done a good job of recognizing when, uh, when to um, take advantage of a mismatch and when to be uh, multidimensional. I don't have any problem with them going to Devante over and over again last week, because not only were the Niners not really capable with their personnel, of shutting down Devante, but um, they also were refusing to adjust their um, person, the the personnel they had on the field to try and even account for that. There was just no challenge from the Niners to Devante all week. So, or all, all night. So I don't have a problem with them having done that last week, but this week you do have to come in with more of a game plan than just, Oh, Devante is so elite. He'll, he'll definitely win his matchups. Right. I had no problem with them doing it last week. It worked and it was effective, but it's not sustainable over the course of the entire season is my point. And and uh, by the way, uh, since we were talking about Tunyon not really being involved in the passing game so much yet this year, uh, I got to think a big part of that is because of how much time he's spending pass blocking because yep. we don't have our full strength offensive line out there. Uh, and maybe that's something we're going to see again this week is that you know, they would like to try and take advantage of a mismatch with Tunyon, but they might not be able to afford to pull him away from Yash's side. So uh, maybe Elton is good enough to go and uh, he can lock down that left side on his own and we'll see something different. But that is something to keep in mind. Uh, give me real quick. Give me your keys to victory for the Packers on offense. Keys on offense, do not abandon the running game and get stick with short, quick release passes to set up the longer passes later in the game. My keys on defense, uh, you got to protect the short routes, the short passing routes, because that is where the Steelers have any and all success. I like the idea of keeping uh, Jair in the slot this week. Um because I, I don't think that the Steelers really have the ability to beat you downfield. So keep your best guys on the inside, keep them close to the line of scrimmage and attack this offensive line. It's terrible and you should be able to generate pressure. Uh, and if you're not generating pressure, you need to manufacture pressure by bringing an extra guy. And this Steelers uh, receiving core 
is one that you can afford to do that on. You don't have to run a lot of nickel and dime. You can bring an extra guy or even two on the blitz uh, as needed, and the Packers' defense needs to be willing to commit to that uh, if it's if they're not getting success otherwise. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point, and it's something that they need to do effectively because Roethlisberger has not had the time and may no longer have the arm strength to throw deep. Time to make our score predictions for this week. I'm hoping that uh, I get a little bit closer than I have um, for weeks one and three. I'm still pretty proud of my week two prediction. Uh, I I wish that I had uh, gone with my Twitter prediction on the podcast, which was only one point off, but uh, I I took one field goal off for the Packers uh, when we recorded the podcast, and so I was four points off. But So, so far, through the first three weeks of the season, The Steelers' offense has scored 16, 17, and 10 points. Steelers' defense has allowed 23, 26, and 24. What's your score prediction for this week? Packers 27, Steelers 17. I like it. I uh, I, I have to pick something else because that's actually what I was going to go with. So I'm going to (laughs) say... Great minds think alike. (laughs) I'm going to say... The Packers are going to score 27, and the Steelers are going to score 13. So we're really close, but, you know, like I said, you you took the score I wanted, so I'm not going to adjust it a crazy amount. I'm just going to give a little bit more faith to the Packers' defense, which I think is better than people are giving them credit for. So... Uh, maybe not an opportunity for me to catch up to you a lot in our points game, but, uh, at the very least I should hopefully not fall even further behind. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. All right. You feeling, are you feeling confident about this game? I'm, I'm feeling confident, but I think it could be, uh, maybe stressful through the first three quarters of the game. The, the thing to me, that's the key psychologically do not have a letdown after last week's dramatic last minute win. And don't do what the Steelers do, which is underestimate opponents. The Steelers exactly. are not a are not a team that's devoid of talent. They are a no. team that has been underperforming, um, and that is just the kind of team that has uh, historically taken advantage of the Packers. Sometimes is a team that has a lot of sleeping talent, particularly up front. I think of the 2019 Chargers as one of the biggest examples of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the 2019 Eagles in week four. That was another team that just looked terrible through the first three weeks of the season. And they uh, they had just enough on defense to really put a scare into Rodgers. By the way, just occurred to me, you know, we were both wrong about when the Packers' first loss would come because we <laughs> didn't think it was going to come in week one. But I picked the first loss to come at San Francisco. I, I was very wrong about that. You picked the first loss to come this week against the Steelers. Now, things have shaken out a little bit differently this, so far this year, and you are predicting the Packers to win this game. Is that more about what you're seeing from the Packers or from the Steelers? Uh, more about what I'm seeing from the Steelers, I think. All right. All right. Well, that's it for today. I'm excited to see what happens this week. Hope we get another fantastic game because we had a phenomenal one last week. 
Uh, follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can also email us at askmillhuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not